Greetings, Community Solutions listeners, and welcome to this episode of our podcast. I am Jack Terman, Jr., your host for the podcast, and on behalf of all the faculty, staff, and students in the Department of Social and Behavioral Sciences at the Indiana University Fairbanks School of Public Health, I wish you and yours all the best. We are so grateful for you tuning into our podcast and sharing the podcast with your family and friends and colleagues. Today, we conclude our three-episode series on addressing food insecurity and hunger in our communities. We have a wonderful conversation with my dear friend and colleague, Dave Miner. I consider Dave one of those humanitarian heroes in our community. He has spent years raising awareness about hunger and food insecurity. Out of his awareness campaigns, he has worked diligently to build coalitions of government and nonprofits and community members to address food insecurity and hunger right here in our neighborhoods. In our conversation, Dave talks about the important roles that governments and nonprofits play in reducing food insecurity and hunger. He tells us about how these partnerships have been successful here in Indiana. And as in all conversations with Dave, he inspires us to action and to hope for a better, more equitable future for all. I'm excited to introduce you to this wonderful man and his work. Let's join the conversation. Take care. Hi, Dave, and welcome to the Community Solutions Podcast. Hey, Jack. Uh, Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's great to have you here. To get started, Dave, can you please introduce yourself to our listeners and discuss the great work you have done and are doing to address food insecurity in our community? Sure. So um, I um, have a PhD in chemistry and I worked 28 years at Lilly and along the way got really interested in hunger and food security was able to uh, retire early. And I've been a full-time hunger guy um, for about the last 12 years, um, primarily at the systems level. So uh, working with uh, Indie Hunger Network, um, which brings together all the large food assistance providers in Indianapolis, working with an advocacy organization called Bread for the World to try to make sure that our federal government does its part um, and then a, f- a few other efforts along the way. So pretty much all hunger all the time, Jack. Nice. Well, thank you so much. I mean, we really appreciate all of that work you do. And I think it's your story is a great story for listeners to think about, you know, you had this career and then, you know, you were able to like pursue your passions, you know, your humanitarian passions. And that's really admirable and, and it's a really good model for everyone to think about and reflect on. Yeah. So thank you. It's been great. It sounds like hard or work or something, but honestly, Jack, um, in addition to feeling like you're making a difference, which is important, um, it's really been enjoyable. Um, I've worked with a lot of wonderful people in a lot of different parts of the community. So I would highly recommend it. And that's what makes life rich and fulfilling and hopeful for sure. Yes, indeed. So Dave, you know, um, this is something that's been on the mind of all of our listeners. So, because, uh, you know, the media has really talked about how hunger and food security is, quote, the second pandemic, right? After COVID, right. you know, the impact right. of COVID. 
So from your expertise, can you kind of discuss how the pandemic has affected food security here sure. in Indiana? Sure. Um, well, at, at the most basic level, um, it's made things much worse for all the obvious reason that all of us who've been living through all the disruptions would understand. Um, prior to uh, the pandemic uh, in Indianapolis, which is pretty representative of the state as a whole, actually, on most metrics, um, the number of people um, who needed food assistance to make sure that their family was fed um, at some level, some type, you know, but somebody, some level of food assistance, that was 21% for the six or eight years prior to the pandemic. So 21%, that jumped up to 28% in June of last year. So it went up by a third. Um, at that point, you have more than a quarter of the population, right, right. relying on food assistance. Um, from June of last year to June of this year, 28 dropped to 25. So it's, it's somewhat better. Um, but that's still, you know, it's still one person, one family out of every four. Um, and it's, it's almost unimaginable, actually. We, uh, we live in Indianapolis and we've lived here for a long, long time. We love this city. And uh, to think that 250,000 people in the city need food assistance uh, to feed their families is just sort of overwhelming. And I think the long-term trends are, it, it's not gonna go back. Um, it, hopefully it'll go back eventually, but it's an ongoing problem. Now, so that's the bad news, Jack. The, the good news is that, and we'll talk about this more on this, this podcast, but um, the community broadly writ. So um, churches and charities, businesses, our federal government's nutrition programs, um, philanthropies, um, everybody has stepped up to this problem. And we actually found in a big study just, uh, just completed here uh, that the number of people going hungry, so separate somebody who's food insecure, which means they need help from somebody who's actually going hungry because they didn't get enough help. Um, that number was quite small, quite small. So just, uh, the amount of food assistance needed doubled from before the pandemic to the June of last year, June of this year. But almost all of that need was met uh, with this wonderful combination of responses from both public and private sources. So there's the, the bad news is it's a widespread problem. The good news is um, uh, our community was broadly defined um, and communities have responded really well. I really appreciate your answer. And it's really perfect for this podcast because we're all about community solutions. I mean, that sounds silly, but you just gave a really good yeah. example of what happens when community yeah. at large yeah. comes together to address a problem that-, yeah. that I might just give you one example of that. Sure. Jack, just, just within uh, the, the federal nutrition programs, uh, and we'll talk some more about them, but and in, in the government response, uh, here our city government has responded to food need and is working particularly at the neighborhood level, um, trying to strengthen the food systems. Our state government um, has been very responsive. They administer the federal programs 
And then the um, federal, uh, our elected officials uh, modified the um, federal programs to make them um, more accessible under the circumstances. The biggest example was we, last year, we had a lot of kids who rely on school lunch and school breakfast uh, and they weren't going to school. <laughs> so, you know, this is a really big problem. Um, but there was a, um, an adjustment to, uh, to the way in which food was provided. Uh, first, it was just handing out food at the schools, but later a sort of more widely useful of approach, particularly in rural Indiana, something called pandemic EBT um, was uh, a substitute for, um, so the kids wouldn't go hungry, even though they weren't able to get meals at school. So just a couple of examples of uh, good work at all levels of government and the same thing has happened on the charitable side as well. It's wonderful. It's so good to hear. It, it's really good to hear good news. It's really good to hear. Yeah. And it's really good to hear government responding, community responding, the, you know, private right. sector responding. Right. It's, it's, a, it's a great story. And it, it's yeah, a great message it that it can happen. It and it can work. That's it can. It can work. Um, Dave, can you help listeners understand the root causes of food insecurity? Sure. Um, in a way, it's really simple, Jack. It's poverty or near poverty. We, people's understanding of poverty um, uh, varies a lot. Um, and um, so it's important to sort of think about that a little more broadly. Um, I met a woman in Indianapolis one time, wonderful lady um, who was offering to help us with some marketing work that we were going to do with child hunger. And uh, I struggled to communicate with her, Jack, for about 15 minutes. And then I realized that her image of the hungry was the men standing around outside of Wheeler Mission, you know, the homeless guys and so forth. And that certainly is a real issue. But that's about 1% of the population Right. Um, most of the poverty is, you know, working families, honestly. Right. Um, but they don't, their work is not, is their hours are reduced or their pay isn't enough. Or, you know, they used to have, their family used to have three jobs. And now mom feels like she has to stay home to take care of the kids who aren't in school or, you know, whatever. But um, mostly it's, it's working families. So poverty um, is the underlying cause. And then that leads to um, other problems. Um, food deserts gets a lot of conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, in my mind, that's where you don't have a grocery store nearby. Right. And um, it's a derivative problem. Uh, uh, the big grocery chains are more than happy to sell food to anybody that wants to buy it and can afford it. Right. Um, and so um, you end up with um, uh, parts of the city, uh, rural areas um, where there isn't a grocery store close by. And that creates all kinds of problems. Um, so people may buy food at um, uh, you know, the corner store, the gas station, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and right. that is not as healthy and it's more expensive. And so here you had a, a budget that was stretched anyways, and now you're paying more for your food. Mm-hmm. So um, it's, food deserts is a derivative problem. And that brings up the, the third one I wanted to mention, which is living in poverty is expensive. You right. know, uh, if you can only afford to buy the smallest packaging size, um, that's the most expensive on a per unit basis, right? Mm-hmm. But if you don't have the money to buy the 12 pack or whatever, 
you know, you don't have a choice. So, um, so poverty, which leads to food deserts um, and which makes actually living um, more expensive. Yeah, it's, uh, it's so you break it, you break it down so well and concrete. And it reminds me of a, a conversation I had with one of the families that we serve in our program here, uh, a lovely uh, family of four living in poverty and going through our initiative and and learning, you know, developing skills, you know what I mean, to yeah. work and um, and understand their finances. And it, this light bulb went off in them that is just, it was great to see. They, they realized they were spending $150 a week on fast food. Yeah. And... And they came to this realization and we were telling you like, that is bad. The food's not good. You know, it's not good for us. Yeah. And it's expensive. When you learn how to really track it, they realize how expensive it is and that they could use that money to get healthier foods that would last longer and, and, yeah. and, um, and help their families. So I love your point that poverty is expensive. And, and sometimes people don't really realize that. And, yeah. and, yeah. Um, and it just keeps those individuals in this cycle, right? You know, yeah. uh, it perpetuates the cycle. And so uh, it, when you start teaching people about food and how to prepare food and, and provide them access to utensils to prepare the food, right? Do you know what I mean? And, and right. how to do it, then they can really start saving money. They eat healthy. They have a more balanced yeah. diet, which is better for their health, and and um and can actually begin to save a little money. So yeah, it's a really yeah. great point. When you look at in your career and your work, when you look at access to food, <clears throat> are issues of food access the same or different for individuals living in urban versus rural areas? And that's a really great question, Jack. Um, the um, First of all, the poverty rates for both urban and rural are high. So it's not like there's, you know, a, a unique problem one place or another. Right. Um, one of the things, I don't think it's a surprise to anymore, anybody anymore, but uh, it was a surprise a few years ago, uh, was how high the rates of poverty are in, in urban, suburban communities like Hamilton County, one of the wealthiest uh, counties in the entire nation. Yeah. Uh, lots and lots of food insecure people in Hamilton County. Um, so, um, so the poverty rates high are high. There's people everywhere. Um, so services is one important um, factor. Mm -hmm. uh, if you have a big urban area like Indianapolis, a lot of people, a lot of people that need help, um, but also a lot of services. Uh, so we have 185, 185 food pantries in Marion County. Uh, we have a food, wonderful food rescue organization called Second Helpings. We have two food banks, et cetera, et cetera. Um, when you get out into, this, into the suburban areas, um, I think some of this is rectified now, but they didn't know they needed to provide such services, mm -hmm. right? And so, you know, um, they were really struggling. Um, and then when you're in the rural setting, um, there just aren't very many services, you know, so you can go into counties and uh, I remember visiting a county up north in Indiana, in Indiana, and they had literally 
three or four food pantries and that was it. Yeah, that was the whole thing. You know, this church and they were open once a month and, you know, um, it just, um, the services were much more limited. Um, the second factor is for everybody is transportation. Right. Um, uh, we are not very good on uh, mass transit. Uh, and of course, mass transit doesn't exist in rural areas. Uh, and so, you know, you, if you need a car, you need gas in the car, you know, all the things that goes with that. So, um, and the further are you, further away you are, you know, if you happen to be in a food desert, and uh, if you literally have to go 30 miles uh, to get to a grocery store, that's a big issue. Um, or even just to go in and sign up for stuff. Um, so transportation is a major issue um, for everybody. The other one I wanted to mention is what I would call hidden hunger, Jack. Mm. Um, that people, uh, the community at large doesn't see the problem and so they don't know that they, they need to be more actively involved in, in resolving the problem. I don't, I don't think I've ever met somebody who thought that uh, kids going hungry is a good idea. Right. 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 But a lot of times we just don't know. Um, and in the rural areas, I, I think not, not always, and this is a generalization, but I think sometimes the community support um, is actually better that there's a sense of, you know, we're a tight-knit community, whereas sometimes it's a little tougher in a big urban setting. Are you talking about this neighborhood or, you know, whatever? Right. Um, but I think that is offset by um, another real problem is stigma. Right. Um, we were surprised to find in the recent survey that we did here in Marion County that of the people who were food insecure, so, you know, just that crowd, um, one in five said they were using no services. I'm so, so they, glad you brought that up. Exactly. So they had a need, but they weren't, um, they weren't, you know, and when we asked questions in the past specifically about um, uh, food pantries, because a food pantry is something that anybody can go to. Mm -hmm. um, the federal programs for good reasons have um, limits on income that, you know, that you have to meet. Um, but the food pantries, with a rare exception or two, don't. And yet, you know, here was a fifth of people, and actually it's worse than that for just specifically to food pantries, there's more than half of the people do not go to a food pantry. And the food pantries I visit, uh, they really try to uh, treat people well. Right. Um, and so um, I think it really is stigma. It's, gee, I don't wanna be seen as needing help. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that can be particularly bad um, in the rural communities where everybody knows everybody. Right. And so, you know, as soon as you show up at the food pantry, then everybody knows that, you know, there's something mm -hmm. wrong um, at your house. Um, and so uh, stigma is, I think, a big factor contributing to, you know, in, in Indianapolis, you can drive around and see houses that are run down and realize that there's probably an issue there. Uh, in a rural setting, um, they may be, the house may sit way back from the road and Mm -hmm. um, so you just don't know. So um, services, transportation, and hidden hungers um, due to stigma um, in particular, I think. I, I um, um, was talking to a friend one time uh, from Lily who lives up in the Fishers, so a well-to-do, you know, um, suburb on the north side. And she had, she was a volunteer at their, at a food pantry there. And uh, she, um, 
saw a woman walk in and she knew this woman from um, the soccer fields where that woman's child played soccer with her, ch her child. Right. And uh, she assumed that that woman was there to volunteer. But actually, her husband had lost his job and she was there to get food. And uh, she had, you know, taken a big step to go out and expose herself by showing up at the food pantry to have, which is what obviously she felt she needed to do to feed her kids. So that's a, it's, it's a very brave act on her part. It truly is. Do you know what I mean? And I respect, yeah. yeah. We, yeah. you know, we, we really see that like, and, and I, cause as you know, like my work really focuses on women and children, moms and babies. And it's so sad because so many mothers really feel that stigma that if they have to go in there, they're not being a good mom, you know, and, and yet they got to care for their baby. Do you know what I mean? Like they got, they, yeah. they get food for yeah. their baby. That's the priority, but they do struggle with that. And, yeah. um, and you're exactly right around transportation. Um, Cause some, we have families that have to prioritize that we're gonna use the car to go to the doctor's office or use the car to go get food, right? We have to right. make a choice. Right. And then right. you're so right, especially in the rural communities, signing up, we're gonna talk about this, you know, signing up for food services often now depends on using a computer and being able to navigate websites. Right. And that means you have to have an internet service and you have to have a computer and you have to have the skills to be able to do that. We definitely know there are communities and individuals in those communities that lack that. And so they're not able to really get what they need. So you've really taught yeah. me, it's really important that we figure out a way, how do we bring that easily to people, right? So yeah. that they can access, yeah. access yeah. the services and the benefits that, that, yeah that that they need and and are, are are deserving of yeah i'm glad you brought up the word access jack because uh in this last uh, this was this study that i mentioned this hunger study it was the fifth one of these studies that we've done so we've done five studies from 2014 to now um, and we were able to see some things having done it multiple times <laughs> that we couldn't see by just looking at it once if you will and uh, the thing that jumped out, the big aha from this study was that access is the big issue. So I mentioned that only a small percentage of people were going hungry. It's not because of supply problems for those people. Right. It's access. Access, yeah. access is the problem. So. Yeah. Yeah. And we really need to broaden our conceptualization of access. Yes. More than just transportation. It's right. Right. It's, yeah, it's got a lot of elements to it. I mean, what if you're a shut-in, right? You're, you're yeah. elderly, or you've got a, um, um, you know, we have friends from church. Um, she is immune compromised. You know, she can't go out um, without risking her life. So how does she get, and she doesn't happen to need food assistance, but how do people like that get food assistance, right? Um, how about a young mom who, who's, you know, uh, the only place she could find to live was in a neighborhood that she's, you know, not happy about. And she, you know, worries about just going outside right? Um, because of uh, um, crime and violence. Mm -hmm. um, so it's, um, yeah, access is, you're right. It's, we need to think about it broadly. Broadly think about it. Um, can you address what approaches have worked well in addressing food insecurity? Yeah, that's a um, 
since we're in football season, um, I'm going to use a, a football analogy. Um, so hunger is like a 240-pound running back. <laughs> uh, you know that even the linebacker, when he sees him coming at him, realizes I'm going to have a tough time getting this guy down. Um, hunger is so big and so widespread that we really have to team tackle it. We've got a, the whole community and all the different parts of the community really need to work together. That's the only way. All the good news I mentioned at the front end of the podcast, that happened because we team tackled it. Um, so um, there are a couple of major categories within that. One is the federal nutri nutrition programs, which we have touched on. So that's um, SNAP, which used to be called food stamps, uh, that provides nearly half of all food assistance all by itself. Everything else, everything else adds up to the other half. So SNAP, the second biggest is school meals. Those uh, meals that kids get at school, really, really important. Um, and then third is the Women, Infants, and Children program, WIC, WIC for short. Um, and then there's uh, all their, their senior meal programs and so forth. Um, when you add up all of the federal nutrition programs, we've been watching this now for 10 years with Indy Hunger Network, um, that is between 80 and 90% of the food. Wow. So, um, right, the, our most recent number was 88%. So, um, mo you know, just, just over, well, 12%, just over a tenth of the food is coming from private charity. Um, so, and that private charity would include churches responding, uh, food pantries, um, uh, community centers, um, just a whole variety of um, organizations. Uh, we think there are about uh, 300 organizations helping out in one way or another um, in, in, in Marion County alone. So, um, and they play an important role, Jack. Um, there are, um, 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 Income limits uh, on the new federal programs, which is the way it should be. Mm -hmm. They're restricted to those in greatest need. Um, and there's actually a bit of a gradation in there in terms of the size of the benefits. Um, but about a third, roughly, of people who are needing food assistance have incomes high enough not to qualify for any of the federal nutrition programs. They are, in a sense, they're the working poor, if you will. Um, and they get their support strictly from, you know, food pantries primarily. Mm -hmm. um, so everybody has a really important role to play in this. Um, and also uh, some diversity of approach, Jack, is really helpful. So uh, you and I were chatting beforehand about um, uh, a number of things. Um, if, if you're the, the demographics are extremely widespread. So hunger is hit, hitting every age, um, every gender, um, families of all types, yep. um, you know, every racial, ethnic group, you name it, right? So to reach all of those different types of families, um, some diversity is really, really helpful. So um, if you are a senior who's shut in um, and can't get out, especially in the winter, you know, is it possible to get something delivered to your home? Right, right. Um, uh, school meals are particularly good 
because it's right at school when the kids are trying to learn. So it's, you know, it's, it's perfect. Um, so anyways, a diversity of approaches, which we have in this country um, is, is a helpful thing. Um, but about, about 88% federal and about 12% charity, and we need them all. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah, you do such a great job of explaining that. And from a public health perspective, you know, we completely support this diversity approaches and we really support a large government mandate around this because that provides sustainability for it, right? Do you know what I mean? Like it, yeah. It, yeah. It, it kind of, it, it yeah. cements it, you know, yeah. as something that um, keeps going. So that's wonderful. Well, as we conclude the episode, we always end our podcasts on, on um, what can individuals do in their community to address the problem. So you've done such a beautiful job of talking about role of government, a uh, role of like private organizations and, and, uh, and nonprofits. Um, so now as we bring it to a close, what can individuals do to help reduce hunger in their community? First of all, understand it's a major issue and it's a major issue all year round. Um, so, um, and the second thing is, I would say, is uh, find a way to help that makes sense for you and your circumstance and your community. Um, and help, don't judge. Um, um, so, and you can, there's any number of ways to, you know, you can find a food pantry to volunteer at, you can do a food drive, you can, you know, send money to some of the uh, wonderful charities. You can speak up to our elected officials and remind them that they have an important role. There's a whole variety of ways to do that. Um, Indie Hunger, I-N-D-Y-H-U-N-G-R-R.org um, is a really good starting place um, for looking if you're um, in Marion County or in, if, even in the surrounding counties. Um, but there's a lot of places to go to, 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 to find a way to help. So great. That's great. A lot of wisdom there, my friend. Like, be aware of what's going on in your community. Don't and act and don't judge. You know, just because it's so important. We're not in a place to judge. We haven't walked in people's shoes and we don't know the complexity of their lives. And so just reach out and help through all these ways. So thanks, Dave, so much for my pleasure hanging out with us on community solutions and mostly for all the great work you do and your passion for this. And 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 um, you're a real hero when it comes to helping um, address this 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 really important problem um, in our community. So thanks for bringing solutions and thanks for being here. Thank you, Jack. Take right. care. Bye bye. Thank you so much. Bye bye.